Hello, fellows and family. It's great to have you as we launch our new series called Unstuck. Have you ever been stuck? I remember when I was 14 years old, I didn't have my driver's license yet, so I was getting pretty bored with the uh, riding lawnmower. And my dad said, hey, uh, we've got a farm. Uh, let me, I'm, I'm thinking about buying one of those six-wheeled amphibious units. Would you be interested in that? And I went, duh. Yes, absolutely. So he bought one of these things. Look at it. Isn't it classy? Well, uh, he said, it'll be here in two weeks. And I just kind of waited around. It got there in six weeks. But when it drove uh, up to the farm, it was one of those ah, moments. And uh, the guy backed it out. And my dad took it around the, the farm uh, house area there. And you didn't have a steering wheel. It had levers. So you had to drive it like a tank. And uh, sure enough, my, my cousin Mike and, and me got on this thing. He said, yeah, stay around. We'll see you, see you for a little bit. And I had nothing to do with staying around that farmhouse. I, I was out in the pasture, and then I got to the, to the, the pond. And I, I went over the bank, and whoosh, and I started going on it. And, and the wheels actually were kind of like the, the propellers of this thing. It was moving us along. Halfway across the pond, we hear, bloop, bloop, bloop. And my cousin goes, mayday, mayday. And we get to the side and water's just filling the whole compartment in the front there. The back end bogs down and the thing stalls. And it's quiet for just a few seconds. And then I hear the pickup truck. And it's my dad. And he's about 100 yards away from us. But I have never seen him this angry ever. I mean, even to this date, I've never seen my dad so angry because in his right hand, he's holding the plug to the back of this six-wheeled amphibious unit. It lasted a total of 20 minutes in the Hishma family, and I am to blame. Being stuck, I mean, it's only in recent years that we could actually laugh about this. But being stuck usually doesn't put you in laughter. It usually kind of gives you some anxiety and some fear and some worry, doesn't it? Well, over the course of these next six weeks, we're going to be talking about crafting a vision for an intentional life. Because I believe an intentional life where you're seeking the wisdom of God in key areas of your lives is really what keeps us unstuck and it helps us get unstuck and it helps us help others get unstuck in our lives because that's who God is. He is a God of wisdom and he wants to give us his wisdom if we'll simply ask and act when he gives it to us. Look at what the scriptures say and I love this in Proverbs 4 verse 7. In Proverbs 4 verse 7 it it really gives a picture of uh, the, the, the wisdom of Solomon. Here's Solomon, and he, he basically is, is transferring the wisdom that God gave him to his son. And he says in, in chapter 4, verse 7, he says, The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. And whatever you get, get insight. Isn't that something? Because just if you have your Bibles open, just glance up to verse 5. He says it earlier, get wisdom, get insight. Do not forget, do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her. Interesting, he now calls wisdom a woman. That's a good thing, by the way. The Bible gives dignity to women. 
And and the, the reality there is, is just as you are attracted, seek after, get attracted to wisdom. And I found that in my own life. I'm not attracted to wisdom. I'll be distracted by foolishness. We're all called to do that, to seek after the wisdom of God and the understanding of the ways and the will of God for us. In Proverbs chapter 16, verse 3, it says, commit your work to the Lord. In other words, submit it. Submit it to the Lord and your plans will be established. God is the establisher of life and of wisdom in our lives. In Proverbs 18, 15, it says, an intelligent heart acquires knowledge and the ear of the wise seeks knowledge. Boy, that's, that's that picture that we're open for God's wisdom, especially in areas where we're stuck. Over the course of these next six weeks, you're going to be given a picture of what that's looked like. And we're always going to call you back to a greater vision, the vision of an intentional life. And there's three things, by the way, these aren't in your notes. So these come free as free of charge. But the key thing is, is when you receive the, the vision that God has for these areas, we, number one, we want to be aware of where we're at. Being aware of your own, um, your own uh, weaknesses, your own blind spots. And a- as we've talked about this earlier, the definition of a blind spot is you just can't see it, right? But yet there's so many people around us who do see our blind spots. There's so many people who have to live and change and adjust because you can't see it. I think the other one of being distracted in life is another area that keeps us unaware of our realities. We are so distracted. We have such a short attention span. We can be in the same room with our family watching a movie and there's other devices that are on and we're just distracted. So that, so how many times when you're watching a movie nowadays, do you hear what, what, what happened? How many times? No nudge zone. No nudge zone. Okay. Yeah, we do that because we're all distracted. And we need to be aware. We need to be aware of our reality. So you're going to be asked throughout this, this series, where are you when it comes to this topic? Where are you when it comes to God's wisdom? Another thing is, is are you available for it? And this means that you have an open mind. You have an open heart. You have an open life to the wisdom of God, the truth of who God is and what he wants for you in this area. And the final thing is that we'd have the courage to act. That we'd be really willing to act. Once we know it, then we can act on it. And that, that's something that God has given us, the Holy Spirit, to help do. Not only open our minds to the truth of God, but to have the courage to act on the will of God for our lives. Now, as we talk about this, let's go down to the target. The real target is that in each of these areas, we're going to call you to a two-month plan for your life in these five areas. Why two months? Because if I said up here, hey, I want, here's a 12-month plan for you, you'd all blow me off in a second. I mean, do you even really remember what your New Year's resolutions were? No, many of us don't. Some of us do, especially if you accomplish them. But I think what's better is more people tend to respond when it's in the short term rather than the long term. Short term's two months. So we can help get that first step of of getting unstuck in an area when we commit to a two-month plan. And that's what we'll call you to. Here are the areas that we're going to be talking about over the course of this series. Number one, faith. You know, God calls us to love him with our heart, 
our soul, our mind, and our strength. How are you loving God with everything? You know, we're really here to help you find and follow Jesus Christ. And, you know, where are you with him? Are you someone who kind of checked the box on faith because you go to church? But basically outside here, you're living more like a practical atheist. No one sees it. You, you aren't experiencing God in your lives. Um, another area that will help you get unstuck is in your area of family. Now, I know we just finished a five-week family, you know, family series, and it's easy to think, okay, I got that taken care of. But really, how are we being a blessing in our families? What does a blessing look like? We're going to be talking about that. And how can you be a blessing in your family? How can you get unstuck from where you're at? Also, where are your finances? You know, and again, I'm not afraid to talk about finances because the Bible's not. There's over a thousand verses in the Bible that have to do with what God has entrusted to us. And, you know, so many of us are just stuck in the area of finances. What does it look like to be stuck in finance? You fear the post. You, you fear the mailman because he's going to be bringing or she's going to be bringing a, um, a, a, a letter or a bill. And we don't know where we got have the money for that. The average American family lives on 104% of their income, which means we're constantly taking on debt. It's no wonder that we have over $15,000 per U.S. household in credit card debt. Folks, we're stuck. And so we're going to be talking about how do we, how do we move what God has entrusted us into, into things that give us opportunities for God rather than leave us obligated and stuck with ourselves. We're also going to be talking about fitness. I know what some of you are saying. Okay, I, you had me with uh, the first three, but don't start talking about my body. <laughs> well, you know what? Our bodies are also something. It's a gift from God. It's a temple of the Holy Spirit is our, our bodies, and we need to steward those also. So we're going to be talking about um, how much rest you're getting. We're going to be talking about nutrition. We're going to be talking about activity. And uh, again, uh, because I think so many of us are stuck in these areas. And we've sought God's wisdom from his word, but we've also sought other wisdom from from leaders in our church here who are going to help us throughout this series. Finally, we're going to talk about fun. And I know some of you don't even like the word fun. You're Christians, after all. We don't have fun. It's all dark and gloom, and then Jesus returns, right? (laughs) No, but the reality is so many of us have lost the joy of the Lord. Many of us have lost finding pleasure in Christ, and we've bought the lie of this world, and we've sought it in so many things, uh, so many counterfeits for us. Now, so you're looking at that and go, why did you put in fun, though? It sounds like Maslow's hierarchy of needs and all this kind of stuff. Give me a break. I'm a pastor. We use words that all start with the same letter, okay? <laughs> That's how we kind of move through this, and it helps me understand them and, and relate to them. So bear with me. So Here's what I want to do. We want to take an introductory assessment for you. So if you have the FBC app or you have a smartphone, I am now giving you permission. If you're from, from middle school on up, take out your smartphone. You can do it. It's not a sin. It's church. Okay, so if you take out your smartphone and you go to your web browser and just type in, don't search this, okay? Go to your web browser on your smartphone and do fbcunstuck.com. Or if you've just downloaded the app or you have the FBC app, open up the app and go to the one that says connect. 
should be on the right-hand side of that app once it opens. Connect. Once you press connect, it'll say FBC Unstuck Assessment. Type that. Not type. Punch that. And here's the deal. This is what you'll get. An assessment that looks like this. It has all five of those areas. It has a rating from 1 to 10. And it basically what I want you to do is just tap the button that best describes where you're at. I don't want you to think long on this. I want you to go, this is where I feel right now. Okay? Choose the number that best indicates where you are on these topics from 1, uh, like, hey, I really need help. I'm stuck. To number 10, I am doing the best I've ever done. Only look at your smartphone. Don't look at anyone else's, please. No cheating. There are no right or wrong answers. And NSA will not show up at your doorstep this afternoon because you filled this out. What we're going to do is we're going to come back to this and we're going to see what this room responded to. The averages of everyone in this room of where we think we are in these five key areas as we go a little bit later in my message here. Okay. Let's move on. Also, throughout this series, we're going to share some stories. If you have Twitter, um, tweet us some stories. Next week, as we talk about five key things that God uses to grow our faith, we want you to answer this question. If you hashtag, and by the way, if you don't know what that means, don't worry about it. Hashtag FBC Unstuck and just type us a story that says one thing I used to believe about God. I find out that we used to believe a lot of weird things about God. And we're going to talk about those next week. What's one thing you used to believe about God? Okay, ready? Let's talk about where you're at. When I talk about these five key areas, I know there's going to be one of them in your life that you're going to have some resistance towards God's wisdom. You like kind of where it is. You're resistant to changing. That's just who we are. We're resistant. That's part of the fall. Part of the depravity of humanity is that we don't like change. We don't like God's change for us. We like our own lives. Here's kind of a picture of resistance. Have you ever seen that? That's kind of the picture of resistance. It's kind of a viral picture. By the way, this little boy who grew up in Florida is now eight years old. His father recently had kidney failure. And he had to raise money for his dad to have a kidney transplant. He used this photo and asked people to pay, help help his father as they were in a, a medical emergency. And people raised the money for him. Amazing what a viral picture can do. Here's my picture of resistance, okay? A closed fist, a closed life. It's not power to the people. It's just resistance. It's just resistance in my life. To what God would have for me. I fear who I might become. I fear that I won't have fun. I fear all these things if I follow Jesus. And some of us just don't like structure. So when we talk about this, we don't want anyone telling us to do. We think we've got our own lives and we don't want a structure, a way out. The problem is, is, is that structure... Um, if you like more of a spontaneous life, if you're more of an individual creative person, if you value and you highlight, you know, independence, folks, that's America. Welcome. Welcome. And that's what's sinking our ship. We're stuck in so many of these areas and we refuse to submit. I've even seen religious pride. When you walk into a room like this, And you compare your life with other people and you think you're better than them. When you look at this church and there's not as many people who look or act like you, 
We can make that we can make that judgment on people, but we don't like structure. We don't like anyone telling us. And 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 so can I just say something? If you're someone who doesn't like structure, let me just tell you, this is not going to overwhelm you with structure. It is going to give you a first step out of these areas that you might be stuck in. It's going to give you that first step. It's going to suggest that first step. Would you be willing to just move into the first step in getting stuck? Because you're stuck. You need help out. One step out. Second of us, we have strongholds. Many of us deal with addictions. Many of us have had failures from the past. Many of us lack confidence in life. Many of us are angry. Many of us are fearful. Here's what I want to do. If you have a stronghold, the problem is, is you really won't change unless the pain of the present is greater than the pain of change. And you guys know pain if you deal with a stronghold. You know what powerlessness is all about. That's why they call it a stronghold. And we need, we need a compelling vision for something greater. And at the root is not just, just do this next thing and you'll be better. At the root of it is a real strong trust issue with God and the wisdom he has for you. Are, are you willing to have a compelling vision that the God of the universe has a way out for you? Thirdly, some of you are just skeptical. You know, I find out that, you know, find that the, the larger we get as a church, the more skeptical people are of the leadership and everything. And I think because so many larger environments have blown it and larger environments can be more bureaucratic and corporate. And we don't like that for our churches. But but here's the deal on being skeptical. I found that when I'm skeptical, I tend to be more cynical and negative and I tend to be more critical of what's happening in those environments. And yet, when I'm stuck, God's provided a church. God's provided this church to come alongside you and to be a community of believers that comes alongside and helps you find and follow Jesus Christ. We need each other. And can I just put on my theological Dr. Phil question with you right now? How's that working out for you? I can be skeptical about a lot of things, but I'm still stuck. I can be skeptical about, you know, the, the five steps to get out of this. But, but the reality is I'm still stuck, even after I've criticized, even after I've been skeptical. It only erodes my heart and my love for the people that God has placed in my life. Finally, some of us are just in survival mode. And can I just be honest with you? I love you. I want to be compassionate and I want to be careful as we go through this. Some of you have just had a diagnosis. Some of you are dealing with a family crisis. Some of you are, are just uh, angry and frustrated that life has not been good recently. You're overwhelmed. You're exhausted. You're suffering. What is this five thing going to, what is five areas going to do for you? All I want to say is I, I think if we can have a healthy conversation about this, I think we can share our realities. And that's why we call everyone into a small group to talk about these things. I think we can build a baseline for you of help. Not, you know, not where it's perfection, because we're not, any of us are going to reach perfection this side of glory. But we can get a taste through taking steps of following Jesus in our lives, in these areas. So, 
take a look at these real quick. Some of you may say already, well, I, I don't have a problem with structure. I'm pretty disciplined. I don't have any strongholds in my life, at least that I don't know about. Uh, I'm not skeptical. I'm pretty trusting. And I'm not in survival mode. This is going to be easy. Can I just tell you something? If you live with anyone who has one of those, it's going to be difficult. What do you mean by that? Let's just say you want to change the way you spend so that you don't overspend. What if the person, what if your spouse spends? They love it. They believe they have a spiritual gift of spending. <laughs> You're going to mess with them if, they, if they, you have a plan of following God in this area and he has it a little bit different. What if you want to grow in faith? And as part of that, you just want to make a two-month commitment. I want to be more regular when I show up here. I want to be more. I want church. I want my church family to have a greater value in my life. You're going to go, boy, look at all the things we could be doing this weekend. And if you make a commitment to come, that's going to mess with them. So it's good that we're all on the same page. This is really a, really a series where if you're single, it's going to be easiest, hopefully. If you're married, it might be a little bit harder because it's you and that other person who have to decide on this. But that's why it's good that we talk about it. That's why we've called everyone to be in a small group to grow and mature through this. Now, let me just show you where we are as a group. Do you guys have those results? Take a look at where we are in this room. This is pretty consistent with the whole weekend, each service that we've had. We're kind of right in the middle. I know some of you put one and some of you, you might be levitating now, put 10 on all of them. But, but this is where we are as a room. And we've pretty much had about two thirds of a room be able to tell us where they're at. We'll keep coming back to that. But what it's telling us is that many of us are stuck. Many of us are just like meh on these issues. And I think we have a compelling vision. I know God's wisdom has a compelling vision for us. Let's move on. I want to kind of talk to you right now about why the intentional life. And I want to have to kind of speak to those who are uh, might be resistant of it. And there's going to come a time in this series where you're going to be resistant to God's wisdom in this area. I just know it. I know people. I know myself. And I know that in any one of these areas, there's a variety of reasons. And there's a bunch of excuses why we just want to stay the same. But God has a better plan for us. Why the intentional life? Why a plan in these areas? Well, there's three reasons I want to leave you with. First one is this. The costs are too high without a direction with the wisdom of God in your life. There's, the costs are just too stinking high. Resistance rarely counts the cost. Rarely does. And, and, and therefore, the word of God sometimes has to open up our minds to see the cost of being stuck. Look at this. Just look at the in Proverbs three, verse 21. It says, my son, do not lose sight of these. Keep sound wisdom and discretion, for they will be a life to your for your soul and adornment for your neck. They will then you will walk on your way securely and your foot will not stumble. Do you hear the unstuck language here? If you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. When I'm stuck, guess what? I don't sleep. Some of you do it with pills. I don't. And so it's difficult. Sometimes I'm over and over. I'm overly processing what's happening and I'm anxious about it. And I toss and turn, especially in those areas I'm stuck. 
It says, do not be afraid of sudden terror or the ruin of the wicked when it comes. For the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. You have a God who always wants to provide a way out. Whether you're stuck, whether there's people around you who are stuck. I mean, there's deep pain in this room in these areas where we're stuck. And we can fake it for a few minutes when we're all together in here. But we deal with it and we worry about it when we're not in here. How's your family doing? What challenges are you facing right now? How's your finances? How's, how's that whole picture of your faith? Is God the integral source and center of everything you do? There's costs if I don't live intentionally. I like Proverbs fifteen twenty two. It says, without counsel, plans fail. But with many advisors, they succeed. Look at this one also in Proverbs. Proverbs fourteen twelve. This is one of my, uh, a really good reminder. I have this one that I've, I've memorized. It says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. You want to memorize one verse that uh, is also mentioned in two places? So you actually memorize two in one, two verses in one. It's also in Proverbs sixteen twenty five. How many times have you headed down a way that you thought was just right? I mean, I have kind of a joke saying that I say, like, this is so right on so many levels. Okay, that's my joke. That's my joke. Because we just feel right. We feel that it's the best thing. And our world is, is hung on feelings. Our media drives us to feelings. And, and yet, so many times we felt it was the right thing to do. But in, in the end, it, it led to destruction. It led to death in our lives. That's something that we've got to remember. And again, another reason why we call you to community as we process all this stuff. Because we want you to be sharpened. I need people in my life who are always sharpening me. Because there's so many times I've felt that it was the right thing to do. And in reality, it was not the best thing to do. Now, I'll be honest with you. I'm 50 years old. And I still don't like correction. I wish I could get it to where, oh, that's awesome. But when someone comes and says, Joe, I don't think that's right. I feel wrong. I feel judged. And you know, you, you're there too, because that's the number one thing I hear when, when I try to sharpen a life is, you've judged me. Okay. And we, we just separate from those environments and from those people because we feel judged. But yet, if God's wisdom is greater than ours, we've got to have the wise person doesn't have the track record of perfection. The wise person has the track record of change. And that's what we want for you. The costs are way too high without it. Secondly, the blessings are too rich with it. This is, in other words, this is not what we want from you. This is what we want for you. There's just too many great blessings with the wisdom of God in my life, guiding these five key areas. And I found where the wisdom of God is not, I'm, I'm cheating myself. I'm cheating all those who depend on me of a greater blessing. Uh, in Proverbs 15, it says, The ear that listens to life-giving reproof will dwell among the wise. Whoever ignores instruction despises himself. But he who listens to reproof or correction gains intelligence. The fear of the Lord is instruction in wisdom and humility comes 
before honor. But you want to be humble? Seek. Seek the wisdom of God. Be open to correction. That's how you deepen yourself in humility. You don't deepen humility by thinking less of yourself, but by thinking of yourself less. <laughs> it's something that we're, we're, we're thinking through. What does God have to say about this? What, what do other wise people in my life, how can they help me in this? I love what Psalm 8611, it really it shows us the heart, the heart of an available life. It says, teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. God, unite my life with the way that you have your heart. May I want to do this. May I have an appetite for your wisdom in my life. And then Proverbs 22, verses 3 to 4 says, The prudency danger and hides himself, but the simple go on and suffer for it. The reward of humility and fear of the Lord is riches, honor, and life. No, this is not a health, wealth, and prosperity message. But I'll tell you, everything benefits when the wisdom of God is in your life. Some of us know exactly what this verse is saying. When you got deluged by all the rain on Thursday night. You know what I'm talking about? Some of our roads were washed out. And you know, when there's a running water over a road, I mean, our public service announcements tell us what? Turn around, don't drown. Why? Because for some of us, when we see running water, we go, I think I have a six-wheel amphibious unit. <laughs> and we drive through it. And I mean, every time I hear those stories, it's like, what in the world? And I've been there. Have you ever been there? There's just the temptation of, doggone it, now i got to go around. I mean, how many of us are just plain tired of the construction on 29th and Urish, you know? <laughs> Please, I hate going around. But here it says the prudency danger and flees from it. And so wisdom in our lives is not just knowing what God wants us to do. Wisdom is also fleeing the things that destroy us. So we ask, God, that's why we pray, do not lead us into temptation. We flee. We want to flee those places where there's destruction. Because here, God has blessings for us. When we walk in his wisdom. Finally, folks, the intentional life just gives us greater opportunities. Opportunities are too great to ignore it. Resistance is passive to purpose. And God has a great purpose for us. I love what Psalm 39 verse 4 says. Oh, Lord, make me know my end and what the measure of my days. Let me know how fleeting I am. Behold, you have made my days a few handbreadths, and my lifetime is as nothing before you. Surely all mankind stands as a mere breath. What is he saying? He's seeing the whole picture of an eternal perspective in our lives, and that an eternal perspective makes a difference on what we do today. If we could see ourselves right now for what we are, we're just a little blip. We're like a mist that appears for a while, and then we dissipate. But eternity with Christ is forever and ever and ever. It goes on. It never ends. So what we do today needs to matter for eternity. And if we're living for ourselves and we're stuck on ourselves, especially in these practical areas, we're not going to be able to see eternity. 
And so that's why we always need to say, can I, can I just say, if you're in junior high, there's no better time for you to see, realize you're an eternal per- person with an eternal purpose right now. There's only one time you go through middle school. What do you want it to look like? If you're in high school, there's only one time you go through high school. You're going to be remembered for it. What do you want it to be look? What do you want it to look like? If you want it, if you're in college, there's only one time you go in college and you're developing patterns in college right now. I'm not kidding you. I learned patterns that I still, for good or bad, practice today that I learned in college. I wish I could tell you I was a better man than that. But we're learning. What do you want those days to look like? There's no better time now than to follow the wisdom of God in your lives. I want to end with this story, and it's the story of Jonah. One of my favorite stories in the Bible. It's one of the most known stories in the Bible. Jonah was called by God to go and preach to Nineveh, a great city in the ancient world. And he said, tell them that I'm going to destroy that, that, that city in three days if they don't repent. And uh, Jonah said, no way. So he goes to Tarshish, which is the opposite way to Nineveh. And of course, the great fish swallows him. He repents in the fish and the fish throws him up. And he finally goes to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh, he hated the Ninevites, much like many of us hate the patriots, right? (laughs) Amen. He didn't want them to win. He didn't want them. I'm sorry, Patriot fans. You don't wear the jersey next week. But, but he hated them. He wanted God's judgment on them, not God's compassion. So he goes and he preaches that message. Turn or burn. Not politically correct. Not love. Turn or burn. And lo and behold... The God who had compassion on them changed their hearts and they repented from the greatest of the leaders to the meekest of the of the 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 city. They changed and they turned to the Lord. And guess what Jonah does? He gets ticked. He gets ticked. Why would you save them? I mean, I came here to watch them get demolished, to see them get destroyed. So he goes up over the city at a high point and he builds this kind of box seats to God's destruction. And he waited. When are they going to mess up? When are they going to turn away? Because God's going to get them and I can't wait to be front and center of that. And he makes himself a, a nice place. And lo and behold, this beautiful little plant comes up and it had big leaves and it shaded him. And he goes, oh, isn't this great? I'm shaded because the sun was as hot as an August day in Kansas. And he's looking at this event to happen. And then God withers up that plant and he gets ticked. And he makes statements that are just ridiculous for a man of God to say. Like, oh, I I wish I was dead now. That plant shriveled up, dude. It's not the end of the day. But he was so ticked at God and so ticked at his realities around because God didn't get the people he hated. And so this is what the end of the book, these are the last verses of the book of Jonah. The Lord said to him, you pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city 
in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left, and also much cattle? Question mark, cattle? Why were cattle put in the Bible there? That's the last thing God says. End of book. Please give me an epilogue or something there. But what is God saying here? He's saying, Jonah, you are stuck on yourself. And you have missed out on the opportunity to see 120,000 people turn their hearts back to God. You've missed out on the opportunity. That's exactly what happens in each of our lives when we're stuck on ourselves and we ignore the purpose that God has for us in this world. Isn't it ironic that you feel stuck in Topeka and yet Topeka has, I'm not kidding you, 120,000 people here. That's our population of our city. It's been that since 1970. 120,000 people right here in Topeka. Many of them who do not know Jesus and are not following Jesus in their lives. Would it be the opportunity of God that if we got unstuck, Topeka would receive a blessing? Would it be that just Fellowship Bible Church alone having an awareness and availability and acting on God's movement in our lives to move away from being stuck on ourselves to passionate, sacrificial for this city that God takes great compassion on? Folks, it's not just about you. It's about all of us. It's not just about Fellowship Bible Church. It's about the city of Topeka. If you're willing to follow. If you're willing to live intentionally. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word today, which calls us to your wisdom. And we may think it's our own little area that's a little bit out and we aren't real proud of it. And, it can, it can, and we can resist you with every excuse in the book. The But the result is always we're stuck. Heavenly Father, I just confess my sins of resistance against your wisdom. And I ask for a heart that's available and open to acting on your way for each of us. For it's in the name of Jesus that I pray. Amen.